If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we'll talk to Philadelphia Eagles safety Malcolm Jenkins about his company Rock Avenue Bowties, and we'll see if he can help cure my total inability to tie my own tie. And with March Madness in full effect, we'll go deep on blue chips the movie that finally ended the debate about paying college athletes. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. Joining me on the phone this week is a leading sports media strategist who has worked for the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many, many global sports brands. It's Adam Millard. Adam, who you got this March? Um... I don't believe I watched a single second of college basketball, so um, let's go Kansas to be safe. <laughs> so you didn't watch a single game, and you're going to go Kansas of all the teams? Like, I just didn't. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have a problem with that? It's lame. I would just, If you didn't watch college basketball, go, you know. Uh, who's an oh, interesting team? Oh, gosh. Who, who, what, what, what team has my favorite colors? No, we're just going to say Kansas. <laughs> Best mascot. Yeah. That go Florida Gulf Coast. Thanks for trying to you. guide my opinion, Brad. <laughs> also times with- like these, I, was, I wish I was in the room with you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not. Uh, also with us in New York is our Emmy-winning sports producer, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, are you filling out any brackets this year? I gave up filling out a bracket a few years ago, and... Uh, up until last weekend, I had watched just as little basketball as Adam, and but then I decided I should watch at least more than a dribble before the tournament starts. Ladies and gentlemen, also joining us, put your hands together for our producer, Joe Reed. Joe, what team is going to bust your bracket this year? Ooh, I don't know. I, I'm just too excited we don't to talk about that. Right now. Yeah, we're not talking about brackets, I thought. Yeah, oh, well, people are on the phone, which means I have a voice. Yeah, I know. I, I'm only here because uh, because Adam's on the road, but I'm very happy to be here. You got your yeah, first. I don't. I don't want this moment giving you any kind of positive self esteem. You are still the show's mascot. All right, be sure to. Yeah, and just... millennial. <laughs> Gareth, we're all millennials. Shh. Yeah, people can't see us. They don't know I look like Methuselah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Joe, you had you had eight weeks to get yourself a mic, and all you do was answer one question. You couldn't even do it. I know. I, I, I'm, this, I'm in the same boat. I haven't watched a minute of college basketball, so uh, I'm going the mascot route for the bracket. All right. All right. Well, moving on from NCAA hoops. On this show, we don't just invite people on. We call them out publicly until they join the show. So it is time once again for us to slam the hammer as we call it, on a few unsuspecting souls who unfortunately talked about something they liked publicly and now are legally obligated to come on Just Not Sports and talk about it with us. So, Gareth, let's start with you this week. Who do you want to slam the hammer to, buddy? Uh, I want to slam the hammer to anybody in the cast of Hamilton and or go back to your hammer from two weeks, a few weeks ago with Greg Popovich and Kawhi Leonard. I, want, I saw Hamilton last week, and I will talk about it with anybody who has seen it. That show is one of the rare things in my life that got all the hype in the world and was even better than all that hype. So Brad slammed the hammer. I want to double down on his hammer. Pop, Kawhi, come on, let's talk about uh, Hamilton. Give me your review. Mine is glowing. And to anyone in the cast, come on, and let's do an opposite day episode and talk about sports instead of Hamilton. So Gareth... We need what we need to do on this because Hamilton is taking on like phenomenon um, proportions at this point. We need to identify some people who've seen it and love it. Like Julia Lippman, um, formerly of Grantland, taking over at the Ringer. I think she's big into Hamilton. We should invite her on. Um, we should just put the call out on Twitter, man. If you're into Hamilton and you work in sports, it's an open table. <laughs> just join the conversation. Okay, wait. You know what? This is somebody we've been trying to have on here. 
I'm slamming the hammer down. I want to do a two-part interview with NFL, one of the nation's premier NFL writers, and that is Judy Batista. I've worked with her. She's a very talented woman, good friend. Uh, We have a little bit of a surprise with her if we can get her on the show. We've talked about it. But she and I were texting about Hamilton yesterday. So, Judy... You're one of these people in the sports arena who is into Hamilton. Come on and let's talk about the show. Fair. Hammer's been thrown. Judy, we'll see you in a few weeks. Adam, who do you want to slam the hammer to? I've got a pair of former Duke basketball players I want to invite on. And uh, the first guy I think we've mentioned on the program before, Grant Hill, was known during his playing days for playing the piano. He did so on a Sports Center commercial as well as Late Night with David Letterman. As it turns out, it was revealed later that he could only play one song um, and fooled everyone into thinking he could play piano. But in an interesting twist, recently, um, Grant Hill, there was a video posted of his wife, Tamia, singing a Frank Ocean song while he accompanied her on piano. So perhaps he's learned how to play piano. Um, I would like to get him on the program to talk about that. I also, um, another Duke basketball player um, is Shane Battier. I don't really have anything to talk to him about, except that we, I've discovered recently that we are distant cousins. Um, so I'd like to talk to him about where that athletic gene happened along the bloodlines and why it completely missed me. (laughs) I thought you were dunking these days, Adam. Well, that is coming up. Um, but I can't say that I've even attempted it because I don't have a lot of confidence about it right now. There was this thing called work that got in the way of my athletic pursuits. Yeah, I know what you're saying. All right, so we'll look forward to having those guys on. My hammer this week, since we've got Malcolm coming on the show in a minute to talk about um, bow ties, I'm reaching back out to the Philadelphia Eagles community and long snapper John Dornbos. Gareth, am I pronouncing that correctly? Oh, my long snapper <laughs> knowledge is not great. You work, yeah. you work on Inside the NFL, man. Don't you just have to know everyone's name and pronunciation like boom, 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 snap of your fingers? Oh, dude, I mean, I'll hammer Connor Barwin. Let's talk about the bike riding hipster lifestyle, bro. But the uh, long snapper, you're on your own, man. People probably don't know about John. He is into magic, like legit performing magic. Card tricks, making oh, stuff disappear. Oh, I know what you're talking about. This was on HBO. Yeah, Real yeah, Sports I was did say, something this about This was on Inside uh, Real Sports, yeah. He's got a really amazing personal story coming back from tragedy. Um, he's... Uh, the magic thing is just really interesting, especially for, you know, breaking stereotypes of what we think of from football players. I love it. I want to have him, I want him, him to come on. I want him to reveal the source of other magicians' tricks, a la the masked magician <laughs> specials from the early 2000s. I want to have him do card tricks with us and just overall blow my mind, man. We got another, what's that, Now You See It 2 is coming out this summer. Magic is back. Magic is big. Let's do this. John, slamming the hammer, come on the show. Joe Bluth, great magician or greatest magician? <laughs> Wasn't that the song he came out to? Greatest magician, clearly. Oh, yeah, though he might he, he might correct me to say illusionist. Illusionist. <laughs> illusionist. Well, we should, we should get him on, too. Uh, those were the hammers this week. If you know these people... <laughs> Tell them to come on. If you've got someone you want us to talk to, email us at justnotsports at gmail.com or tweet us at justnotsports. You can also find us. We're justnotsports on Instagram, freshly minted. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back with an interview with Philadelphia Eagles safety Malcolm Jenkins, all about bow ties. Stay tuned. Joining us on the show right now is Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm is the starting safety for the Philadelphia Eagles 
and a Super Bowl champion during his time with New Orleans. But off the field, he wears a far different uniform, specifically bow ties. Malcolm is the founder of Rock Avenue Bow Ties, which makes ties and other men's fashion accessories. So today we're going to talk to Malcolm about the challenge of starting a business and the keys to looking good in formal wear. Malcolm, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Oh, we're doing really good. So I have a confession. I am terrible at tying all kinds of neckties. It's always been a huge problem for me. And I'm just wondering, um, is there any hope or do you find that there are certain people who just, no matter how much they practice, can't get it right? No, there's always hope. Uh, I think the number (laughs) one mistake that people make is usually the only time you try to tie when you try to learn is about five minutes before you need to leave, we'll be at an event and then <laughs> the pressure's on and you get frustrated, you start sweating and, and then it ends up not working out. But, uh, you know, my advice to people is always, um, you know, take like 15 or 20 minutes. Like when you have nothing going on, we're not going to an event and just practice it. Um, I have a video on my website on how to tie a bow tie. Um, because I know that was one of the things that once I actually learned how to, tie it and, and I started out wearing pre-tie but when I really learned how to tie bow ties that's when I fell in love with them and as I kind of went went along I realized uh, you know people always tell me like, you know oh I can't pull that look off and when I really started asking them about it it really is they're intimidated because they don't know how to tie it and so that was one of the things I wanted to make sure uh, I gave was kind of that, that resource and that, my biggest advice is to not don't try to do it right when you you know the pressure's on you got to be at a wedding in 30 minutes because it's, it's that's rough <laughs> <laughs> well you, yeah malcolm uh i've worn a bow tie once in my life it was i tried to learn to tie it 10 minutes before i left for a wedding and i will admit publicly that my wife had to do it for me she did a great job but, it's uh, usually how it goes. Most most women uh, <laughs> know how to tie bow ties for whatever reason. When when yeah, when it gets to crunch time, the women usually do it. Amen to that. I I will say quickly. Like I also found trying to do it in a mirror made it really hard. Whereas uh, it does. If you, pr- if you practice it enough, it probably becomes second nature. And once you can get the mirror out of there, it's less confusing. Yeah, because most instructions are going to tell you, like, when you read the instructions, it's going to be the opposite when you're looking in the mirror. And so it's, it does make it a lot more confusing. Um, you know, even myself, I, when I learned how to tie it, it was without a mirror. And so really I just go through the steps, and then once I'm done, I just look in the mirror to see if I need to make any adjustments. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, t- tying it is going to be hard because everything that you do, or if you're, re- if you're watching a video or you're looking at a card, it's all going to have, um, you know, the, the reverse or it's going to look, the, the instructions are going, to, are going to need to be in reverse or backwards because obviously your reflection is backwards. Malcolm, yeah. in the, I watched the videos where you do the instructional, um, sort of tutorials about how to tie tie. I, I actually recommend everyone go to. Uh, your website, wearerockavenue.com, to to watch the videos. The thing you said that stuck out to me in the beginning of that is you're kind of like, you can wear a clip-on, and you'll look good in a clip-on, but you won't be part of the club, which I actually laughed out loud. I was like, that's exactly right. If I'm wearing a clip-on tie, I would, not only would I just not, is it just inherently not as cool, but you're just going to feel self-conscious about somebody bumping you or whatever and being revealed for being a fraud. Can you talk about the, the sort of emotional feeling you have, like, you know, tying that perfect tie and did, do you really feel like you're, you're just dressed up a little bit, little bit extra? Well, here's the, the thing about like, so a necktie, right? Nobody would, I don't, not many people would, um, be very accepting to a clip on necktie. Right. Right. That's just like almost inexcusable. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to bow ties, you know, it's, it's more acceptable. A lot of people will wear uh, like clip ons or whatever. Um, and I, and me too, you know, personally, when I first started wearing bow ties, every one that I had was a clip on until I ran into, you know, one of those like bow tie guys where they wear them all the time. Uh, I remember specifically I was at an event and 
uh, I complimented him on his bow tie. I said, hey, that's a nice tie. And he he turned back and, and he said, oh, yours is nice too. Did you tie it? And and I'm like, no, no, I don't know how to tie him yet. And he just, the look he gave me was just like <laughs> straight, you know, disapproval. It's like, oh, no, nah, I didn't. I'm like, oh, that's not real, you know? And so I remember that night, like, kind of going back. It, it really bothered me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I sat down, like, the next day and I actually, like, you know, I just practiced it. Got on YouTube, watched all the videos. Um, and, you know, I got it. And once I figured it out, then I really started to look to like them because the, the way, the thing about bow ties is they don't have to be perfect. And, and in all actuality, when they're not perfect, that's when they look better. And that's usually when you can tell if somebody has on a clip-on or a regular or a self-tie is because clip-ons will be like 100% symmetric and it will look like cookie cutter. And it looked like the perfect tie. But when you tie it yourself, you can add like a little bit of flair to it. It has a little bit of imperfection. And that's what makes it look nice and uh, gives it a little bit of personality. Um, so I kinda, after that, I threw out every pre-tie bow tie I had as part of my collection over. And that was part of the reason I ended up doing my own line. Um, because once I started to build my collection, I realized like there's, there's not many ties out here that really reflect what my personality is. So my wife just suggested to me that, you know, why don't you make your own? And, you know, I started doing it. <laughs> How long ago was that now? I love, I love that story. It's uh, about three years. Come, yeah, I guess three years, a little less. And what's the hardest part? When you make that decision, when you say, hey, this is something I really am passionate about, this is what I'm going to do. Talk about taking that leap because there's a lot of people in the world with a lot of good ideas and there's very few that have the sort of uh, personal resolve to go make them happen. So tell, can you walk us through getting from the idea phase to the point where you guys were opening, opening shop? Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is, is a lot of determination and, uh, you know, want to, but then the, there was a little luck involved as well. Um, and it, any anybody that you see that's successful in anything usually has a good team around them. You know, nobody really does it by themselves. And so after my wife kind of gave me that idea, um, I'm one of those people, like, I'm very hands-on with everything. I want to learn how to do it. Um, so even, like, the website, wearerockavenue.com, like, I built that website. Um, and so when it came to the bow ties, uh, I remember I, I'm glad I went to the store. I bought like a couple yards of fabric. I bought a sewing machine and then a nice bottle of wine. <laughs> and I just YouTube, <laughs> you know, how to make a, how to make a bow tie. And I decided one night, you know, obviously it's also a lot more time on my hands. Um, and I just, I, you know, I cut them out and, you know, sold some up. Uh, some of them were really terrible and a couple of them were actually, pretty decent, you know, decent enough where I was able to, like, to wear them and people, you know, couldn't tell the difference. Uh, they weren't good enough to sell anybody, but it was good enough for me to wear. <laughs> um, and once I did that, you know, I, I got a, I had a understanding of now the process, you know, I, what it takes to go, that, that goes into them. And I recognized that, okay, this is something that I literally cannot do myself. Um, and it just so happened right around that time, uh, there's a lady who worked for coach for 10 years and was moving back to new Orleans to start a, uh, manufacturing company for, you know, clothes and, and accessories. And I got introduced to her through some of my friends, um, who knew I was, you know, brainstorming and, and wanting to do this. And we sat down and, and she's been with me ever since she, she helped me design everything as far as, uh, like the silhouettes and the cuts and she manufactures everything in New Orleans um, and is, has been on my team ever since then. And that took me from kind of my own idea and my understanding of what I wanted to actually putting it in motion. Um, you know, I still picked out all of the fabrics. I picked out, um, you know, everything that went into it. But as far as, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a seamstress. You know, I don't know how to do all that stuff. So I had to kind of find you know, people in those realms to, to help me get that off the, off the ground. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you, my mother growing up sewed like everything for us. Like she sewed my dad's suits for a while and I talked to her about it and she was like, at this point in time, you'd be foolish to, she was like, clothing is so cheap at this point. Why would you make your own clothes when you can buy it? But unless you're looking for something specific, I get it. And that's what you were doing. But she also said men's clothes are really hard. So like, were you buying patterns? and stuff like that, or are you just kind of freestyling it with a sewing machine? You know, so when I made them, I, I literally, uh, I Googled bow tie pattern and then I mm-hmm. printed it out, um, on a piece of paper, I think, yep. and it ended up being too big. And so I literally took like it, I ended up like drawing my own pattern on a piece of paper, cutting it out and like, on like a little stiff piece of paper and then using that to kind of, you know, cut the fabric. So I'm really, I literally was just freestyling everything I did when, <laughs> when I had it. And that's kind of, <laughs> once I realized the process that we had to go through, it was just like, okay, this is something that needs to be done, you know, professionally. It's not something that, you know, you could just kind of put together and have it look nice all the time. Um, even just from like the guidance as far as like which different, like which fabrics work and which don't. You know, because I bought like five different fabrics and some of them, if they're too stretchy, they don't work. You know, everybody does silk and I, I kind of wanted to do some things with different textures and, and, and play around with some different fabrics. So I kind of had to figure out what, what works and what, what doesn't. And, you know, so that, that was a cool experience as well. I think mean, it, it definitely helped me when it came forward to like picking out what I wanted and, and, and getting it all, you know, made up. Well, but that goes back to something you said earlier that I think you're 100% right on. And I remember reading, I'm more of a hipster, long, skinny tie guy myself, uh, if we're being honest about it. But I remember reading years ago in a men's fashion blog when I tried to start getting a little more serious about, you know, how I look and how I present myself. I think it was a guy named The Magnificent Bastard. But he wrote about... um, when tying a tie, like you kind of want a little bit of artful dishevelment as he put it, or like, you know, that kind of rakish quality. And that's where you said earlier, like if you tie your own bow tie and it's a little off kilter, you know, that's how people know you did it. It reflects your personality. It has your own hand in it. And so I agree with you 100%. And so that's where it's like, if you're freestyling on some of those and they're not, perfect but they reflect you i feel like that's a better bow tie than just something you got off the shelf and even tied yourself oh yeah oh no definitely i mean the, the beauty is in the imperfections you know um mm-hmm. and it's and one of the things especially when it comes to the, the quality and like the manufacturing how we actually build our ties they feel a lot different than ones that you would find, you know, in in your normal store. You know, one of the ones I, I hated that the ties were like flimsy and you know, didn't have much body to them. So, you know, we add a couple filler stars so they actually have body and they kind of stand up on their own. Um, a lot of people just use, you know, your traditional silk. Um, we wanted to use like cotton. One of the first ones we used with the ostrich skin bow tie, just because. Hmm. I had an ostrich, a pair of ostrich uh, skin boots in my closet, and I was like, ah, it'd be cool to have something to go with it. <laughs> so we made a tie. It was awesome. It came out really good. It was one of our first ones. Uh, we've done stuff with, like, lace. We've done stuff with chambrays and denims. Um, so, you know, it's, it's – and those are things that traditionally, you know, people aren't necessarily making, you know, ties out of um, – but when it comes to, t- and, and so the quality, you do want it to be, you know, you want somebody to touch it and feel it and, and say, that, oh, this is, I'm getting, you know, my money's worth with this product. But when it comes to tying the ties, the beauty's in an imperfection. It's, and I tell people that all the time, you don't even have to tie your bow tie perfect, you know, so don't worry about having it, you know, perfectly symmetric, symmetrical, uh, because then nobody will know you tied it. It'll look like a pre-tied, you know, bow tie, but. You know, you tilt it a little bit, you know, fluff up the two front ones and, and roll out, you know, and everybody will know, you know, you know, cause when I see it, I, that's the first thing I look at. When I see somebody with a bow tie, if it looks too perfect, I know immediately they didn't tie it. <laughs> first of all, and if your wife tied it, if your wife tied it, it counts. Don't worry about it. It counts. You're in the closet, somebody else tied it for you. <laughs> that's right. First of all, the beauty is in the imperfection is like, 
one of my favorite lines I've heard anyone say, and I, I think we're going to have to adopt that as the motto of our show. <laughs> as uh, I totally agree <laughs> that sometimes it's just like the flubs and the and the and the funny part that gives someone their individual style. I'm curious how you get the inspiration for your collection. So you, you've talked a little bit about the you know the process of making the ties. In terms of the design, wh- where do you where what what spurs your creativity as you're thinking through new designs or um, uh, aligning with with maybe uh, the the fashions of the season that kind of thing? Yeah, so you know I'm you know I'm in all openness I'm not a fashion major I'm not, I don't know about the up and coming trends um, that stuff I'm actually learning like as I go <laughs> but you know to start out. Really, you know, because it's really started out as a project more so than a business. And my whole inspiration, and it's really still my inspiration, is what do I want to actually have in my closet? Like, what do I want to wear? And so, you know, we didn't have the, at that time, we didn't have the capability to kind of make our own prints and, and things like that. So I literally would just go to, like, the first, the, for the first line, I went to New York, um, went to the garment district, and, and just, pulled fabric that, you know, that I liked and things that I wanted to see in my closet. And, and that was the first one. And I really just stayed with that model. And, you know, sometimes it, it might be floral. Sometimes it might be, um, like we, we did a whole line of chambrays one time and denims, you know, another time it, it might be about texture. Uh, so, uh, you know, it just, it just depends on, you know, what I want to see on and what I want to wear. And it, you know, as we go on, we see that other people kind of share the same taste, um, you know, and, and it's been working. First of all, going back, you built that website. You might have to come build ours because I had such a hard time on <laughs> Tumblr, man. I was very impressed with uh, with the Rock Avenue website. But you talk about the tie feeling like this. Yeah, no, it looks great. You've talked about the tie feeling like the centerpiece of your personal style. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so it, it became something that everybody knew me by, you know, and so a lot of the times, like, I, I've had people ask me before, too, like, when you get dressed, like, what do you build your outfit around? Like, some people are, are really big on shoes, right? So they'll pick out their shoes first and then build their outfit from there. Or some people will pick out a shirt. Um, where me, you know, I'm I'm more of a tie guy, so I'll... I'll you know, I'll figure out which bow tie I want to wear or say, hey, which one haven't I worn in a while? And then I'll build an outfit around that. Like, you know, what shirt would look nice with that, what shoes, put a, you know, what suit would go with that or what shirt. Um, so it's just really like a starting point. So when, and it's, it's really hard to wear a bow tie and it not be the focal point of your entire outfit. It just, they just usually stand out like that. I agree with your point that you can't wear a bow tie and not have it be the center of attention. That said, who wears a bow tie well, and who are your style icons? Uh, my style icons. Well, I know somebody. Somebody when I first started the company that I wanted to talk, or that I did talk to, and I kind of just met around that same time was the Honey Jones, um, the former uh, NFL player. Oh yeah, played for the Bengals and I think yep. for the Eagles. Yeah, and and he has his own company as well that he does with uh, charities, you know, all over. Um, and so he was somebody I kind of consulted with um, early, and I definitely he's he's one of my good friends that wear bow ties. Um, other than that, like my style is, is like ever evolving. So like even now, I don't wear bow ties every single day, but my whole goal, like when I do wear them, I try to make them. I try to wear them casually. I try to wear them formally. Um, but from a style standpoint, I, I remember seeing there's not many people I look up to like today for their style. I, I'll take I'll notice guys who dress well, but I think my style is kind of my style changes as I learn myself. And I remember getting inspiration one time from a picture I saw of um, who was it? Uh, was it me? Was it, it me, Malcolm? Old magazine. No, yeah, it might have been you. <laughs> <laughs> the old, but you know what? It was Stevie Wonder. That's who it was. Oh, okay. The old picture of Stevie Wonder. He had a, um, he had a navy uh, suit jacket on with these high peak lapels, 
and he had a jumbo, just like droopy velvet blue bow tie, and I thought that was awesome. And I, that was, of course, one of the next ties I wanted to make with the jumbo velvet blue bow tie. And that's just kind of how it goes. I see stuff as I go, and if I like it, you know, I'll incorporate it into what I do. Um, but it's not many people that I just like, you know, I want to dress just like them. No, I get that, but it's the same. You know, it's funny to hear you say that. Uh, like a minute ago when you were saying like, I don't know, this isn't exactly what I studied. It's just a hobby. But I mean, that's all that fashion designing is, isn't it? Like looking for inspiration in places, thinking about the things you'd want to wear and then making it like that sort of soup to nuts at, uh, attitude, especially around the Stevie wonder picture, I think is awesome. So, and you know, no, it's, it's awesome. It's legit. And The other thing you said that I think is really fun is just like, as you get older, when you start, like, I like those days where you go to work and like Brad used to wear a tie to work every single day. And I was always really impressed by that. But like now when you show up in a casual work environment and you've got the, like, you're looking good and you've got a tie on and everybody's like, what do you all dress up for? And you're like, Oh, no reason. You know, just kind of want to look the part today. You know, like it's really, really, yeah. You're thinking more of, a, you know, an, an office, you know, in the NFL, guys usually show up to work with, you know, sweatpants and, and gym shorts on. So <laughs> yeah, right. if I yep. wear a collared shirt, if I just wear a collared shirt, you know, jeans and sneakers, they're like, man, you go, where are you going today? You know, it's like, yep. so I, I do that often, though. I like to I like to go in, you know, I, obviously I'm not wearing a suit to practice, but I'll wear, you know, a collared shirt. I won't. I probably won't wear a bow tie to practice, but you know, if I got an event or something to do afterwards, I will just to see. Because it's funny to get guys' reactions as they walk in with sweatpants and team issue gear. Yeah, you know, one of the things yeah. I one of the things I love about the renaissance of the bow tie is how it's been incorporated into both formal and casual fashion. So, can you talk about what's the proper way, in your opinion? Not that there's one like set set of rules when it comes to style, but. I guess what's the key for the bow tie being able to be pulled off in a more casual setting and not just feeling like something you have to wear to a wedding? Yeah, I think it, I think it comes down to, um, you know, kind of a color scheme and really the fabric. I think like some, some fabrics are just a lot more dressier than, than others. Like when you get into silks and they kind of have a little bit of seam to them, um, they just tend to look a lot more uh, formal than, than others. Then yeah. if you wear uh, a denim bow tie, that's, you know, most times going to be a casual look. Florals can go either way. Um, you know, so so those are some of the things that if your tie, like, looks fun, then you usually can wear it um, in, a, in a casual setting. Some of the ones that usually when you get more formal, they, they get a lot more elegant. So they're, you know, monotone. They're, you know, they, they have a little bit of shine to them or the one color, you know, so they, there's a difference between them. But I, I think if I were to tell somebody, it would be, you know, does, are you having fun with that bow tie? You know, it's, and really right. it's a mindset. You can put anything. You have, if you ever watch a fashion show anywhere, you know, you'd be scratching your head as what people are wearing, but they wear it with confidence and people stand up and applaud it. So it's like, you know what? That's what I learned. You can get a, you can get away with anything in fashion as long as you wear it with confidence. I love <laughs> Every that. day in the NBA and the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Guys are wearing stuff. Everybody's like, what what is he wearing? But they wear it like, you know, like they picked it out. So it works. Hey, does the NBA or the NFL have more fashion forward uh players, do you think? You know what? I think um the NFL, but only because we have, you know, there are more players. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think the, the NFL guys are constantly trying to like break the stigma of like, you know, us being these big Neanderthals that, you know, just play football. And so you see, like our, you know, we, and we don't get as much, you know, uh, like limelight as the NBA. So like to get on to, for us to be like in a post game, uh, podium, you've had to have a great game. You balled out, so it's like, hey, I got to come with my best outfit. You know, <laughs> I'm not on it every week, you know, like basketball. Uh, so I think guys are a lot more conscious about um, what they're wearing, probably in the NFL. Well, we've heard- I was going to disagree with you 100%, but at the same time, then I started to think about it. Cam, 
Brandon Marshall. There's definitely enough guys that the NFL could go toe to toe with the NBA on an all fashion team. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, even you, you go to major market. You know, you went Cam. Even Cam Chancellor is one who dresses. Yep, you know, yep. really well. You got Odell Beckham and Victor Cruz in New York. Oh yeah, Odell. Uh, totally. You know, it's these guys all over the league. You know, and some some are ridiculous, and, and some are you know really cool. Even uh, Von Miller is somebody who you know. You, he can you can tell is big into what he wears and his fashion. You know, all of them. Well, he's got the glasses. You've got the bow ties. You know, so right, yeah. Cam's got the the Versace loafers, and big hats and stuff. Do you ever leave? <laughs> you ever yep. leave like little ties in their lockers and stuff? You're like, hey, you know, just uh, be a become a brand ambassador. Uh, so uh, I've recently sent Richard Sherman some ties because he's a he's a nice. big bow tie guy. Yep. Yes, um, he is. Um, and then I'll, I'll leave something like in my teammates lockers, like if they want one, uh, you know, a lot of guys, Hey, I got an event to go to. So, you know, I'll put them together, uh, a couple, um, but no, I, I haven't gotten to the point where I can leave them in like the opponent's locker. That'd be a good, like trash talk. Like, <laughs> like here, after this, after we destroy you, make sure you look nice for your post game interviews. That's right. You just know the subtle way to do that is you just give them all size large. So they don't really think about it. The L until they put it on. They're like, uh Oh, <laughs> well, they're, they're all adjustable, so they they go from like size uh, okay. fourteen to twenty. So no, no large and mediums. Uh-huh. I can always write it on there. <laughs> well, Michael, we've we've heard you've got some some cool events coming up with Rock Avenue. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah, so really, we're just doing a few pop up shops, um, you know, throughout the spring. Um, one of the cool ones we have here in Philly. Uh, we've teamed up with um, Gorn Bros, and they they do hats. And so right around that Kentucky Derby, we'll be doing um, basically a, a pop-up shop in their store in Philadelphia where uh, throughout the day people can come get hats and ties at a discount, but then we'll also do like a big cocktail hour where uh, people will be able to come. We'll have food, uh, some drinks, and, you know, just have a good time. Uh, that's in Philly. And then right before the drive out of Chicago, we're going to be joining or uh, co-hosting a party with athletes quarterly, um, you know, to kind of just, you know, welcome in uh, the, the new players uh, before they, they make that leap into the draft and, and just have a good time and, and celebrate. Well, my friend, uh, three that of the f- awesome. three of the four of our show are in Chicago. So we might have to, to roll by and crash it. You, you, you just need to look for the dudes dressed terribly and kick us out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. oh, no, no, don't get, he won't kick you out. He'll make you look good before you leave. Yeah, that's right. right. You better. You'll, you'll, you'll end up looking good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, Hey, Malcolm, um, on this show, you know, we know we have sympathy for professional athletes like yourself and how they, uh, you know, in the, in the combine, they made you go through those annoying aptitude tests, like the Wonderlick. So we have something we call the just not sports Wonderlike, which is five enjoyable questions about things you actually like. So to close things out today, we wanted to do this a little differently. We usually do trivia for people, but I thought we'd, we'd be wasting your sense of style to not ask you um, for some style tips. So what we thought I'd do is I'm going to give you the name of a celebrity heading to an event, and I'm hoping you can give me some just how would you dress them if they were, hired you as your personal uh, as their personal stylist for the day. Is that cool? Oh, man. This is, this, this is more pressure than trivia. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there. It's up there with the Super Bowl, my friend. All right. So number one, we saw him on the red carpet all all uh, February and, and January, Leonardo DiCaprio, how would you have dressed him for the Oscars? I mean, you know, Leo's like one of those, he's a classic type of guy where he's very elegant. So I just think a really nice, he's going to come down to the details. So I'd always just keep him in a black, black tux, white shirt, black tie. Uh, but that black tie might, you know, have like a, it might be a black leather tie, you know, something like that. Oh. And that might be one cool ostrich tie. You know, you add like a little bit of uh, detail in his lapel, you know, to where his lapel might have some texture to it so it pops off the black jacket. But it's all going to be black and white, definitely, because he's, he's one of those guys that just looks really elegant, especially when he slips back his hair and stuff. Got the beard going. And the vape, the vape pens, you know, accessorized. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's a that's a good answer. Number two, how would you have dressed Peyton Manning for his retirement press conference? Peyton Manning, 
for his retirement. See, I would have had to ask him, like, do you want to retire as a Bronco or you want to retire <laughs> in the Colts? But, you know, he won a Super Bowl with the Broncos, so I'm guessing it's with the Broncos. So I, I, I would do a um, – I mean, I would probably he's, – he's not one of those guys that takes many chances either. Uh, but I think you keep it simple. If I, if I was him, I would do a navy blue um, suit with a white shirt, no tie, and just a pocket square that has a little bit of orange, so that orange pops out. So you still got the blue and orange from Broncos yes. colors, but it's very it's very Peyton Manning, where it's simple. It's just a blue suit, white shirt, orange pocket square. All right, what about this? What would what would you have thought if he went with like something that was very like like Broncos colors, but he had like a little bit of Colts blue? somewhere as a splash as like a subtle wink to his Colts fans or is that just mixing too many blues aren't they still the same blues or are they different blues well Broncos are navy I think Colts are like more that royal is it yeah just royal blue yeah. Yeah, that's too many you don't want too many, too many different hues of blue but yeah. uh I mean you can only choose one when you're trying to represent a team <laughs> yeah that's right you, know, you gotta choose one how about President Obama, his first public event after leaving the White House. The first time as like Mr. Obama again. What would you do? Oh, he's got to go all the way in. Like it's got to be like, like uh, it's got to be like almost a smoker's jacket or something. <laughs> like Hefner? Uh, <laughs> I just picture, yeah, I just picture him. You know, like he's about to go on vacation. Like you know. The weight's off his shoulders. He's got to have a cigar, regardless of what he's wearing. He's got to have a cigar. Uh, No, man, he might start smoking again. Didn't he quit? No, no, not cigarettes. Just a cigar. Just something just to celebrate. Uh, I'll put him in a... uh, I'll probably put him in a... Like an oxblood, like a deep red... um, Velvet, yeah, blazer, black pants, uh, white shirt, no tie at all, a glass of cognac in one hand, and a cigar in the other. Well, he's earned it. He yes. has earned it. Yeah, he's he, earned it. He's earned it. He, he's feet up, man. He's earned it. He has earned. It. All right, two more. Your owner, Mister Jeffrey Lurie. <laughs> uh, let's see. You know, Mr. Lloyd, like, he's kind of a laid back guy. He likes reggae music. Uh, so. He does? Yes, loves reggae music. Like, when we have our team cookouts, it's it's all reggae music. He has live bands come perform. Uh, You're going to have to get him on the yeah, show for I'm us, awesome. man. You're going to have to get him on our show talking reggae. Yeah, I play. I, I'll admit, oh, dude, I love. Awesome. A, I love a lot of old like rock steady and reggae stuff. I've got a toddler in the house and they dance. They love that beat. Cause it's so simple. Like kids oh, yeah. are like, Oh yeah, I get this. And now I want to talk reggae with Jeffrey Lurie. Oh man. He, he, he'll talk to you for days, but I, I think <laughs> he, he doesn't wear ties. So, and he's very laid back. So I'd probably go with like a loafer shoe, mm. no socks. I just want to see him just with no, <laughs> no socks. <laughs> uh, you know, a nice casual suit. Uh, that fact, he wears suits every day. Uh, no, nah, he's a suit guy. He's definitely a suit guy. All right, you last. Just put him in a, like a light gray, yeah, light gray suit, white shirt, white pocket square with some gray loafers. That'd be nice. That is good. All right, last one. You knew I, you knew, you knew it was coming. The commissioner, Roger Goodell. What would you dress him for the first game of the season? Everything in me wants me to just put him in like one of those like old school, really big boxy suits. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, he probably put on you know like one of those presidential suits, like whatever you you think. Uh, nah, would you? What would that. you put him in? Though? How would you? How would you want him to dress? I think going conservative uh, is a safe bet. Yeah, yeah I'm like oh, you know what? I think I'm just gonna go. Uh, very conservative. I'll probably put him, you know, in just a regular, uh, 
lady suit. What's, what's the power color? Is it a power tie? Is a red tie? Yeah. I think I think that's what they consider a power tie. So I give him a red tie, white shirt. Just very basic, but you know, navy and, and red. I'll put him in. Well, you heard it here first. We're gonna we're gonna put the heat on Roger. We want one time this season for him to wear one of your one of your bow ties. If he does, we'll make a donation uh, to charity. And speaking of which, Malcolm, before we go, can you just tell us a little bit about the work you do with the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation? Ooh, yes, I don't know how much time we got, but uh, <laughs> we do a lot. We're in four different states right now. Um, Every, I wanted to give back to uh, every community that has supported me uh, in my life. And so the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation has programs in New Jersey, where I'm from, Ohio, where I went to school, uh, Louisiana, where I played for the Saints for five years, and now we're currently in Pennsylvania. And we actively have programs in each of these four states uh, at the same time. And so... We do things from scholarships to after-school programs to football clinics to food giveaways. Uh, we've really been doing a lot of things and have gotten a lot of support from uh, all of these local communities and partners that allow us to, to continue to make that work. So you can check everything out on themalcolmjenkinsfoundation.org. You can donate and uh, you know get any information, volunteer, all of that's there on the website. Well, that's great. I mean, we we can't thank you enough for coming on. It was a fascinating interview. We love your passion, your story. Um, we tell all of our listeners, go check out WeAreRockAvenue.com. Uh, keep an ear out for the events coming up, and they can follow you on Twitter, at Malcolm Jenkins. Um, Malcolm, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we wish you the best of luck uh, heading into next season. No problem. Thank you. Today's show is sponsored by The Weatherneck. We spend a lot of time around athletes and super active people, and two things really stand out to us. They love staying active outdoors all year round, and they need quality equipment to do that. Enter the Weatherneck. The Weatherneck is a modern take on the bandana that's quick, quiet, clean, and comfortable, and it's designed specifically for performance outdoors. It features high-tech fabrics and powerful magnets that make it today's outdoor bandana, and it's comfortable. The center mesh section allows for full breath when active outdoors, and the wicking fabrics eliminate the nasty soaking wetness that can bunch up in fleeces. Everyone knows what it's like to put on like a knit scarf, try to be on a bike out in the cold. It's just awful. Your face gets super wet. And it's super convenient. It removes in one second with one hand. That's amazingly helpful if you're on the bike, on the run, or just outdoors doing your thing. I know the guys who created this. They are super smart, super passionate, the types of people I would trust. Go to theweatherneck.com for more information or to place an order. Theweatherneck.com. Shaq, Penny Hardaway, Bobby Hurley, Rick Fox, Calbert Chaney. A roster like that sounds like some all NCAA tournament team from the early 90s, but this was not just another all star team. It was an all star cast. The cast of the movie Blue Chips. In the wake of the Fab Five and Duke's dynasty, college basketball was sweeping the nation in 1994. But so, too, were important questions about the dark side of the sport. From under-the-table payments to players, to point shaving, to... Well, that's pretty much all that's covered in this film. (laughs) So, as America sweats over its brackets, even though they're just going to pick chalk anyway, like Adam, we're going to go deep on blue chips. Gareth, a movie came out in 94... That was the year, I believe, three of your four Final Four picks went out in the first round. Was Western College one of them, buddy? It was Judd Heathcote's last year. I thought Sean Respert was going to lead the Spartans to an emotional uh, NCAA tournament victory. So I picked them and a couple other three seeds and ended up having three of my four Final Four teams go out in the opening round. That did happen, Brad. Thanks. <laughs> and I'm sorry, it's not Western College. Western University, the Western University Dolphins. Adam, you watched this movie. I, I, I broke it down. I broke down some game film on it recently. Um, what's your take? Yes, what's your take on how this movie has held up in the past 22 years? Well, the basketball seems realistic to me. Um, the fashion, not so much. Uh, Shaq's <laughs> monotone voice remains the same. 
Um, <laughs> Penny Hardaway is still just as skinny. Um, Bobby Hurley um, looks the same. Bobby Knight is still a prick. So I'd say it holds up pretty well. <laughs> the plot. The, I mentioned in the intro, it's a very serious movie about the serious ramifications of a poor farmer getting a tractor for his dad and a, a future, like, six months from now NBA superstar getting a car. Gareth, what do you think about the tone of this movie in a climate now where all we do is talk about whether athletes should be paid in the business of sports? I don't know. Like, how quaint does it feel just to see Nick Nolte, like, being a martyr for giving a kid, like, uh, a nuclear skateboard is what the booster talks about. Nuclear surfboard, sorry. At the end of the day, quaint problem is a good way of putting it. It's just uh, as as college basketball rolls. All I mean, look, they still take that stuff very seriously. I understand it, but it just seems to be a little low on the list. So, I I don't know that I would expect anything different. This movie was directed by the guy who directed The Exorcist. Did you guys know that? And The French Connection. Yeah. To go from like those two films, two like great all time great films, to doing blue chips and being like, hey, Penny Hardaway, stand here and <laughs> try to deliver this line um, about taking 30 bucks from a college coach just seems like a strange uh, career rear change for him. I don't know. I, I think the movie's entertaining. It's just so self serious. And unlike the, it's, it's kind of in this tweener zone because, and we'll get into the athlete performances more in a second because that's the fun part of it. The, the tone is like so serious about like, oh, could a player have shaven points or shaved points um, off of uh, a, a game we won? And how horrible is that ethically? You compare it to a movie like The Program, which came out at, at like the same time. And that was just like the complete other way. It was like, hey, what are all the problems in college sports? Let's let's drill them all into this one team to the point where no one can watch the movie. Seriously, I, I feel like this movie either had to be a little bit more ridiculous or just a little bit more fun and like about the basketball. It, 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 it's kind of neither, which makes it a little bit of a tough watch, other than the fact that Shaq and Penny deserved multiple Oscar nominations for their performances. <laughs> well, Brad, to your point about the tone, I remember listening to an interview years ago with Michael Mann, and he was talking about making Miami Vice the initial TV show. And they went down to Miami after watching... Scarface and they had seen Scarface and thought this movie is just ridiculous. Like let's go down here and get a reasonable idea of what things are actually like in Miami right now. And he then described after what they saw, he described Scarface as a model of restraint. And so (laughs) I do think to a certain degree that some of these things that might translate as ridiculous to us, um, they 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 make for better cinema, but they're probably closer to the truth than we want to believe. And so this movie and I think trying to like tell a real story and go down the middle probably just lost some of the the cinema along the way and the cinematic nature of it. So uh, what I I think what I found the what I found problematic about it is that all of these stars players uh sorry all of these star players parents had their hands out waiting for uh asking for jobs and tractors and such i i go back to our first episode where we discussed he got game where which was a lot about the recruiting process but i think the supporting characters were conflicted and in this um, particular movie, everybody except the coach um, and Shaquille O'Neal's character is corrupt and looked to college basketball as a way to build a better life. When I think, in the tr- the truth be told, that uh, star high school players have a cast of characters around them and um, some supportive, some with their hands out, but certainly um, not the rampant corruption that we saw in this movie. So Adam, you brought up a good point that I want to break down. And just to, to give everyone a quick recap of the plot, it's about this fictional Western university. Uh, it, Nick Nolte is doing a two hour Bobby Knight impression. He's just like, even like the, the way he dresses <laughs> and moves, he's just being Bobby Knight. The whole thing is Bobby Knight. It's, it's a, a coach who's got 
multiple championships down his luck, needs to go cheat to get players. He gets he signs uh, uh, Neon, who is uh, Shaquille O'Neal. He signs Ricky Rowe, who's Matt Nover, who played with Indiana at the time and had just graduated, and Butch McRae, who was played by Anthony Hardaway. Uh, oh, real quick aside, Adam, spell Anthony Hardaway. A-N-F-E-R-N-E-E, Hardaway. Amazing. You did that. G-E-N-N-Y. Oh, man. You really did spell Anthony correctly. Uh, uh, congratulations. At least I think you did. Uh, if You're Listeners, welcome. if you didn't, uh, give, me a, give, me a, um, give me some, some flack on Twitter for not paying attention. So, Adam, to your point, here's my big problem with the movie, the fatal flaw with this movie. All Nick Nolte has to do is sign Shaq, who doesn't want any money, and he's fine. He was like 13 and 14 the year before. You sign Shaq, you're going to be 21 and 8 at worst. He's a beast. Just Uh, do that. Why do you need Matt Nover? I'm going to have to disagree with that. I mean, dude, I mean, at the risk of talking sports here, which I've already been chastised for, especially college basketball— LSU signed Shaq, and what did that get them? Into the you know, tournament. It's not like they went to a Final Four or anything. Yeah, but they went to the tournament. Uh, like, he just needed to, 64 to rebound. 64 teams get into the tournament. I will say, interestingly enough, Gareth, to support you, they also signed Ben Simmons and did not make the tournament and turned down going to the NIT. So you might have a point. Well, I want to read Matt you guys. No- they needed Matt Nover on that team, dude. And Butch McCray. Hey, look, this was, some would argue this is why this movie changed NBA history. I believe this movie was filmed when, um, you know, before the Magic had drafted Anthony Hardaway and Shaq was so impressed with his game that he was like, you should get this guy. And so Weber is traded for Penny Hardaway and he has his crazy workout, you know, that helped lead to that. I think that's the cadence here. I could be wrong. Again, listeners, call me out. Let me read you guys some other athlete cameos here. Bob Cousy played a school administrator, I think maybe the athletic director, and there's this scene on YouTube where he and Nick Nolte are just delivering lines while Cousy's shooting, and he hits like 16 shots in a row, and it's so not planned that Nolte just keeps jumping in like, hey, man, are you ever miss or whatever? (laughs) He's just like, no, no, I just hit free throws all day. Larry Bird is in the movie playing himself. Matt Painter, former or current Purdue coach, is in the movie playing for a fictional yeah. team. Rick Fox is in the movie playing for uh, a fictional team. This one really stands out. Jim Caviezel. He was inescapable around that time. Yeah. So Jim. Oh my God, Jim Caviezel, Jesus? Jim Caviezel, Jesus and Passion of the Christ played on one of the basketball teams, which is unbelievable. That's fantastic. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Shaq's performance is good. I think there's a lot of scenes, and Adam, I don't know if you want to speak to this. There's a lot of scenes where he's just funny, and he's 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 showing signs of his personality, and I was kind of pissed that the movie didn't just make this about Nick Nolte signing Shaquille O'Neal and let him let him rip, let him go full Kazam. He didn't get enough screen time, and I think the I think an interesting thing about Shaquille O'Neal is because of it. Even though I made fun of it a few minutes ago, he does have kind of a monotone, non-expressive um, way of speaking, but a highly intelligent guy with the with a great sense of humor, um, as he's proven um, throughout his career. Um, and post career as well, uh, and I do think that he didn't get nearly the amount of screen time that he deserved for being the star that he was. Now, whenever an athlete is involved in a movie, you have to question um, how much availability the filmmakers had to had to that particular person, and maybe Shaq uh, wasn't comfortable giving up that uh, that amount of time during that that um, period of his career but I do think that he is by far the most engaging character in the in the movie um Matt Nover actually was I think the second best they probably could have done without Penny Adam you're saying Shaq had concerns about giving up his time for a non-basketball enterprise the dude was making a rap album and like 15 movies and a video game during this same era 
Come on. Well, maybe he was working on the rap album and doing this movie, and that's as much time as he was willing to spend when not shooting free throws. I was going to say, this was Shaq at his full, like, I show up to games and I dunk, and I don't have to do much else to be a star. It wasn't until later that he was actually working on post moves and other stuff like that. Quick thing I want to say about this movie that bothers me, and I'm going to go have to watch it until I figure out where this occurred. Kevin Garnett plays himself in the movie. I don't remember ever seeing him. Does anybody else? How would he play huh. himself? Like he was in high school. He was it. Exactly. I'm so confused by it. It's on Wikipedia. Uh, it's on IMDb. He was in the movie, but I can't find anything else. Kevin, cutting room floor, Garnett. Uh-huh. The claim is he actually appears in the movie, but without any reference other than that. Adam, let me ask you one more question. Ricky Rowe. Yeah. Ricky Rowe, famously played by Matt Nover. If he was alive today, Ricky Rowe, is he voting Trump? <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm going to leave it at that. And here's a couple of quick hits just to close this out. At the end, Western plays Indiana. And Indiana coached by Bob Knight, who's doing everything he can to not look like Bob Knight. Meanwhile, Nick Nolte is doing everything he can to look like Bob Knight, like screaming and going crazy on the sideline. At the end, they're playing Indiana that's coached by a Nick Nolte impression. Yeah, basically. But they're playing the real Indiana team, and Bob Hurley is on the Indiana team? Because they're just filling it out with like players who graduated. Huh. So weird to see Bobby Hurley playing for Indiana. Go Google it. It's online. It's it's just it's just totally bizarre. Um, and then the final total mind fuck at the end of that game. Try to figure this one out, Joe. Okay. And you're not gonna know anybody. Do you even know who Bob Knight is? I know who Bob Knight is. Okay. I don't know who Bob Hurley is. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> I just got like viscerally <laughs> oh my sick. God. Ugh. Okay. Okay. I thought we were all millennials, though, Brad. That yeah, makes sense. Brad, how do you know who this guy as is? As a 28 and a half year old, I'm shocked <laughs> at your ignorance. Um, okay, so Matt Nover, who we're going to have on the show. Matt, I'm coming for you. We're going to have you on the show to talk about Hoop Dreams. He played at Indiana, was on their 92 Final Four team. And I believe he was on the 93 team that should have been in the Final Four, kind of fell apart against Kansas, Elite Eight. In the movie, Matt is on the Western University Dolphins. He's playing against Indiana that has members of his Indiana team, like Calbert Chaney. He's playing his former coach, Bob Knight, coaching Indiana for a coach, Nick Nolte, doing an impression of his coach. How weird do you think that was for Matt Nover? That's got to be incredibly weird. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's... It'd be like, Joe, if I was like, you're going to sit here and host the show with Gareth pretending to be me and me pretending to be you playing Adam, <laughs> who's played by Bobby Hurley, who you don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is weird. like this is like Tristram Shandy uh, levels of meta or something. <laughs> And with that, why don't we close out this edition of Chestnut Sports? I want to give a shout out to uh, our amazing guest today, Malcolm Jenkins, um, and also to the team uh, that helped us behind the scenes to make the interview happen. Uh, Gareth, that was one of my favorite interviews we've done, man. I I really enjoyed it. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, Love his passion. Love him sitting down with a sewing machine and being like, yeah, I'm going to learn to sew and get a bottle of wine and do this thing. Brad, I, we talked about it as soon as we were done recording that interview, and I have to say that that interview is everything that we want this show to be. It's uh, an athlete being honest about their interests, no matter how quirky, going really, really deep into it. And, uh, no, look, all of our uh, interviews are beautiful sparkle ponies, but that pony sparkled just a little bit brighter than most. Oh, I love the Sparkle Ponies reference. And Gareth, I'm going to say this. People listening at home, if you did not like this week's show, just remember, the beauty is in the imperfection. Oh, yeah. Follow us at Justnut Sports on Twitter. Email us, justnutsports at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram. Find our Facebook page. 
Go listen to us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. I'm running out of social uh, places to drive you to, but we're, we're probably there. <laughs> uh, Gareth, any shout outs? Uh, you know what? Shout out to Malcolm Jenkins. I need to step up my bow tie game and shout out to my wife for tying my bow tie at uh, Shelby and Brian's wedding. I looked good, but now I got to look good on my own. So, Malcolm, thank you for inspiring me. And Amy, thank you for tying my tie. Yeah, and shout out to Roger Goodell. If you do wear a bow tie this NFL season from Malcolm's collection, we will make a donation to the charity of your choice. Adam, any shout outs for us? Uh, You know, as usual, I'd like to say uh, shout out to my boy Uzi. Def Jeff. The legend. Little Swanee. Meech. Ron Mack. And, uh... Your other cousin? Uh, oh, my other cousin, Ron, and Shane Battier. Love those guys. And in the words of Neon, a.k.a. Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> booty rappers. Stay booty. Stay booty, Joe Reed. <laughs> Stay booty. Stay booty. <laughs> booty. 